Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. But let me start with this question for all of us. Uh, what does your happy day look like? Like, just kind of visualize that for a moment. Now, today is day eight of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and, and I'm hoping to have a happy day. It's been a happy day so far, but there's something I need you to pray with me about because today is the wild card for the Giants, and the Giants have to beat the Vikings today, and I'm just calling on the church right now. Just, just calling on you to pray with me because it'll be a much happier day if they get the W. Uh, if you see my son, uh, he's running around in a Justin Jefferson Vikings jersey today. So I'm also calling you to pray and lay hands on that boy and cast out whatever's in him in Jesus' name. Um, but Justin Jefferson's his favorite player. The Giants is his favorite team. And they happen to be facing each other for the playoff spot today. So um, we'll see how that goes in the Indivino house. What does a happy day look like for you? Let's start at the, the, the start of the day. You wake up and your back doesn't crack. There's no aches. The only cracking you hear is on the floorboards. And you're like, man, I feel good. I'm refreshed. And then there's a ringing at your door. And he's like, who is here this early? And someone door dashed you a bacon, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. Living your best Long Island life. And if you're not from Long Island, that is all one word, by the way. Okay. <laughs> bacon, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. Okay, and that's just, it's there and it's, it's a good morning and you're spending quiet time with the Lord and you feel like you're hearing from heaven. You feel like you can speak Greek and Hebrew and it's just happening. You're like, this is awesome. I'm not getting interrupted. You get in the car, you drive to work. Every light's green. There's no traffic. You get there and your boss is like, Joe, you're doing such a good job. I want you to know you're promoted. In fact, take the day off, take the week off. You're doing so good. You go home and you have a nice night with your family. And it's, it's just a, a good day. So let's talk about normal life for a minute, can we? You wake up and the only sounds you hear is your back cracking. And there's no time for breakfast, so it's black coffee. And, and, and there's no time for scripture, so you're just kind of taking out you version on the road, watching the Bible verse of the day, and you're trying to get ready, and you get in the car, and there's traffic, and you get to work late, and now your boss is upset that you're late, and, and the whole day just feels like a bad day. So I would venture to say that we relate to the latter more than the former, even though we desire the former more. Meaning life is normal, guys. Those days are the norm. They are more regular. So if that's where we live, the question to explore this morning is how do we discover happiness on the normal days, on the regular days? So last week we looked to the words of Jesus and we, we learned what Jesus means when he says blessed are or happy people are. Anyone remember the Greek word that Jesus used for happiness? Makarios, yep. Some of you are Bible scholars. You're like, let me take out my notes from last week. Makarios. Makarios means blessed, happy, but it has way more to do with position than possessions. Let me say that again this way. It's more about your status than your stuff. Happiness, according to Jesus, is not simply what you possess or experience horizontally. It's who you are because of who he is. It's your standing because he's rescued you and adopted you as his child. So when Jesus says blessed are or happy people are, and then we looked at his eight statements, it all rests on him. 
Like that's good news. He, he's done the work. So we, we left that there last week. And now for these few weeks in this series, we're going to press in on some biblical truths of how then do we apply this position of Makarios in my life, my everyday traffic filled, noisy, hectic life. And, and that's what we're going to discover today. So the title of today's message is Happy Days, Happy Days. And so I want us to discover how might we have some happy days. Hey, hey everybody, hey. Let's get a little happy days up in here. Some of you younger students, you have no idea who that is. We need to educate you a little bit. You're like, mom, who is that? I don't know, what's he talking about? It's the Fonz, come on. I know I look young, but I still grew up on Leave it to Beaver and all those nice shows and black and white. The question today is, can we have happy days even when we have bad days, even when we have tough days, even when we have challenging days? So we're going to look to scripture in a moment and we're going to read the words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, And if you're not familiar with him, that's all right. He wrote most of what we call the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote these letters to churches or to individual believers, and it's been preserved for us. It's, It's a lot of our New Testament once you move past the first five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Paul writes about this biblical value that you and I are invited to have. But before we discover it, we've got to ask, does Paul have any credibility to speak about this? Meaning, did Paul ever have a bad day? Did Paul ever go through tough times? How many of you, you meet those people and maybe you don't even meet them. You just see them on social media. I'm praying that you're off that for at least 21 days. It's good for your soul. But you just see someone, maybe it's a well-intentioned believer and you're like, do you ever have a bad day? Like you spin this post so much to make it seem like the Lord is just so good. And I'm like, I hate you. You're, you're just always happy. I, I can't connect with you. We, we see those people and we're like, well, I'm not going to let you speak into my life about bad days because it feels like you don't have any. So before we read Paul's words, we've got to know, does Paul have a bad day? Has he ever had some tough times? And what's great is he talks about it for us. So we're going to just read. This is just like Paul's Facebook post to say, you want to know about my week? Let me share what's happened. And here's what he writes in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. I'd say that's a pretty bad day. Some tough times. If you're not familiar with the word flogged, it means he's been whipped. He says, five times, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That was the term that was used for the most excruciating, allowable punishment of the day. 39 beatings with this whip that had glass and bone is five times over. And then he goes on. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. It sounds like a country song, doesn't it? It's just like, bro, go get you a pickup truck or something, like new pair of boots and a drink. You, like, this is just... But he's just going on like, you want to know about my bad days? And then he finishes it. I have labored and toiled and I've gone, often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. I read this to you this morning because before we read his words that are instructions, that cap just didn't want to go back. Before we read his words, with our, which are instructions to us, we need to ask the question, does he have credibility? And I think that this says yes. He knows. He gets it. He, he, he understands bad, challenging days. So I don't, I don't know everyone's story in this space. I don't know uh, what your bad day looks like right now. I don't know the unique challenges and dysfunction and brokenness that you are in every day. Some of you, I do. Uh, I, I know about the marriages that feel very strained and you're praying for health and restoration. Uh, it could be that you're praying for healing in your children for them to give their lives to Jesus. It could be in your own body, just that constant worry that you're experiencing or a physical ailment you're experiencing. I just want to meet all of us here. And so does Paul to simply say, we get it. It's real. This is not a Christianity that says it's not a big deal. Or again, just throw up the pretty post to make it seem like it doesn't hurt the loss, the pain, the grief, the heartache. No, it's, it's real. And Paul is meeting us here to say, look, I've been there. In fact, Paul writes this on his third missionary journey. There's still more to come. He hasn't even been imprisoned in Rome yet where he will ultimately be a martyr for the gospel. He gets it. So lean in this morning because as we get ready to read his words, one, they can be so familiar to us that we just disconnect and say, no, no, no I've heard this before. Two, we could just say, yeah, well, that's easy 2,000 years ago. This guy didn't get it. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, he got it. And maybe for you today, you're not a believer. You are not living a surrendered life to Jesus. Today's message, like every week at Blaze Church, is this word, invitation. It is an invitation to surrender your life to him because we are going to read about how a believer, a follower in Christ gets to live. Did you hear that word? We get to live this way. Like what we're about to see, yes, it's hard. In fact, everybody say with me, this is hard. You don't even know it yet, but you're gonna, you're gonna know it. This is hard. But that's not our excuse to not live this way because it's been given to us by the grace of God. Because you in Jesus are a new creation and you are not to live the same way you used to live or the way people around you live who don't know him. So I wanted to put all that out there because we're about to hear this and say, mm, I just don't know. Well, just try it. Embrace it for this time. Here's what we read, Philippians 4, 11. Paul writes, the same Paul that's labored and shipwrecked and beaten. And he says, I have learned to be content. Everyone say content. Yes. It's an offensive word, isn't it? I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He goes on and says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's, here's the verse that some of you have on a coffee mug. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul's words, the Paul who just told us about all of his bad days, he brings up a word that is not celebrated in society. It's the word contentment. 
contentment. Think about that. Do we celebrate contentment as a culture? No, we, 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 that's not promoted. I, I'll pick on a company because I keep them in business with how much of their products I buy so I can say it. Apple is not gonna come out this year in the fall and say, you know what, world, don't upgrade your phones this year. We got nothing for you. We're a culture of contentment. We're, we're advising that you keep your current model. We're getting rid of the Apple upgrade plan. We just want, we just want to create content people everywhere. Come on, that, that's not reality. It's not reality for any business. It's not reality for anything we see in this world. What are we told? You need more. Don't be content with what you have. Get more. And yet I'm going to offer to you this connection as we are in this series today. I, I believe that God says to us from his word, happiness is connected to contentment. We want to be happy people. Yeah. Anybody want to be a little happier this year than last year? I'm worried about you if your hand's not up or you're not saying yes. All right? I'm a little, little concerned. Like, no, I just want to be angrier. I'm an angry Christian this year. <laughs> Come on, we want to be happier. Okay, well, Scripture is showing us your happy level, your walking out Makarios is connected to this value, contentment. Like, here's, here's what I know and here's what you know too. Discontent people are not happy. Hey, how about this? When you're discontent, you're not happy. When I'm discontent, I'm not happy. You know what I am when I'm discontent? There's two words that sum up my attitude and my outlook when I'm discontent. Complaining and critical. That's your pastor speaking. I am the best complainer you will ever meet when I'm discontent. I will out complain you any day. Trust me. It didn't matter if the car was good yesterday. I drove a new car. I want that one now. It didn't matter if my job felt good yesterday. I want a new job. It doesn't matter my relationships. It doesn't matter. You see it? We, come on, we start to complain. It was fine yesterday. Now it's a problem. What changed? I'm discontent. I'm complaining. And critical, critical is when you start to look at others and you don't celebrate what they have any longer. Oh, they're going on another trip? Must be nice. Oh, they bought that? Oh, their kids listen? Look at their marriage. Look at their single life. You start complaining, you get critical of others and you try to tell anybody that you're living a Macario's life that day, that you're happy your happiness is directly connected to your contentment, which brings up an issue for us. We struggle with being content. It's, it's not natural. Students in this space, I'm praying that today you hear this because can I just get a good amen from those of us that might be further along in life? Wouldn't this be great to know earlier in life contentment? Yeah. Right? Like students hear this. And, and, and I know it's challenging. I, you're living in a world that we can't even fully understand what you're coming up in with all the, the new pressures. So, so learn this today. Grab on to contentment. So three verses, three thoughts. I'm just gonna offer you what we just read as thoughts for contentment because it's so hard. Here's what we read first, verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content. Oftentimes when we talk about contentment, the initial like knee-jerk reaction is, well, I'm just not a content person, okay? 
Just, it's just not in me to be content. And you know what's dangerous today? We pretty up that idea with saying, well, I'm an achiever. I'm hungry for more. And like, that's good. I understand that. But also, are you content with what you have right now? No, no, I'm not a content person. Well, here's the good news. Apparently, neither was Paul. How do we know that? What does he say? I have what? Say it together. I have learned. Paul had to learn it which means he didn't know it. I wonder what Paul was like before he learned contentment. No, I don't have to wonder. He's like most of us. You think he didn't complain on that first shipwreck? How many shipwrecks did it take for Paul to get content, bro? How many times did he have to get hit with rocks before he's like, all right, stop throwing the rocks. I'm content. Like, just think about it. Like he says there, I learned it. Why? Because contentment's not natural. Because if you've been around children, I'm raising two of those, I have to teach them contentment, right? I'm like, bro, I know you want 30 Oreos. 10 is enough. There's three sleeves here. It's a three serving box, okay? It's it's just, we gotta be content with this. Some of you just getting there like, there's really three servings? Yeah, there's only three servings in a box. That's why three sleeves, all right? You got to learn contentment. You got to teach contentment. Hey, I'm offering you this, but that's enough. You know what? We, we teach our kids that. You know, what, you know what we are? I think we're just taller children, to be honest. <laughs> oh, guys, this, this wall just separates Blaze Kids from Blaze Kids 2.0. That's all this is. Congratulations. Like, this is 2.0. We don't get goldfish. We get communion. Like, we still got snack time and music time. Right? Like, <laughs> this is... This is Blaze Kids 2.0. Because everything we're teaching our children, we need to learn. So Paul honestly goes, I've got to learn contentment. I have to learn this. So here's the hope of this point. First value about contentment. Here's good news for us. Contentment can be learned. That's good news. If you don't want to live discontent anymore and you don't want to live like you have or like you know others do, here's the good news. Contentment can be learned. But we have to ask, okay, let's get practical. How? Like, let's get some practical things that we might do to apply it. Because when you want to learn something new, you go practical. If you want to learn a new hobby, a new skill, something at your job, you go practical. So God's not void of practicality. I'm going to offer you two ways to learn contentment. Here's the first one. Write this down. Become a preacher. I didn't say become a pastor, so don't get worried. And I'm not talking about preaching in this sense to a crowd. I'm only asking you if you want to learn contentment, you just need to learn to preach to an audience of one. And here's what it is. I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm talking about you. I'll be here, not all day, for another 40 minutes. You have to learn how to preach to yourself because you are with you more than anyone else. And if you're a follower of Christ, God says the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives in you. You have anointing. You have the power of God. You have his presence. And I can't be on tap. You can't be facing a discontent situation. I know I can text Pastor Keith right now. Dang, he's ghosting me. I don't have this on me all the time. You can't be like, man, what was that YouTube, that pastor I listened to, that podcast? I got to pull it back up. I got to get my Bible out. If you're out and about in the wild, you are there. And so is he. 
And you have to learn how to preach to yourself. You have to. So when that moment of discontentment comes, you are able to use scripture as a weapon and say, wait a second, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Wait a second, I'm thinking this is gonna satisfy me, but Jesus is my satisfaction. Wait a second, I'm growing and drifting towards complaining, but I'm gonna offer up praise. You, you just need to become a preacher. And we see this in scripture. There were these worship leaders known as the sons of Korah, and they were having challenging days and hard moments, even worshiping the God. And this was like their job to write worship and to sing out to him. So you know what they do? They don't deny the reality of their circumstance, that it's hard, that they're struggling, but they preach to themselves. Here's, here's their, their song and their message. Here's what they write in Psalm 43. Why my soul are you downcast? They're acknowledging I'm discontent. I'm having a rough moment. I'm asking why. I'm probing a little. Why so disturbed within me? And then they preach it. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. They're talking to themselves out loud. We sang a song yesterday at prayer and the, the line said, I will preach to my doubts. I will preach to it. It's what they did. And, and I love this because this is, a, this is not about denying the reality of hard days. Paul did not do that. We'll see it in a moment. He's gonna speak again to his hard days. But it's about saying, this is challenging. I'm downcast. Here's the gospel, Keith. Put your hope in God. Just, pre just preach a little to yourself. Here's the second thing. This one's going to be mind-blowing. You never thought of this before. You want to be content? Here you go. Say thank you. <laughs> Say thank you. Again, teaching my children this, and if you're teaching your children the magic words, then what do you say to them after they, you give them something? You might say something like this. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? And I feel like God is just up there being like, hey, Blaze Church, what do you say? <laughs> 2.0 right here, we're learning. You and I would live a whole lot more content if we would just start to say thank you. Just, and I know it's still challenging, but you know what, God, thank you. I don't know if this car is gonna start, but thank you for it. And you know what? It's going to rattle a little bit. Muffler's going to shake. But, you know, maybe just put on rattle by elevation and have a praise party in your car. <laughs> just like, all right, there's the theme. If the muffler's rattling, then, then resurrection power flows through my engine too. Let's go, Jesus. Like, just cultivate a heart of gratitude, a thank you. Students, I know you're facing challenges with friends and with teachers. You may want to say, God, thank you that I only have this teacher one year. Thank you, God. <laughs> but give me the grace right now but thank them. Like, it, like it, just say thank you for things. Sure, your marriage may not be where you desire it to be and where God's gonna bring it, but thank him now. Just thank him now. Your singleness, the way you're living, just thank him now. In your, your current job and who you are, just, just thank him now. In fact, Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in, what's the word? All circumstances. Why, Paul? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've ever asked that question, I just wish I knew the will of God for my life. Well, here's one thing. He wants you to say thank you. 
Isn't it deeper than that? Just start there. You want to know God's plan for your life? To be a thankful person. To be a content person. So first verse, just some thoughts on it. Contentment can be learned. Start preaching. Start saying thank you. Here's the hope that Paul gives us in the next verse for bad days. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And here he goes. We already read some of them. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This is such good news because there is a lie that exists in culture that started in the garden. When Adam and Eve had everything, when they, I mean, if someone was set up for content living, it was them. They had it all, but a lie entered the garden. And here is the lie that started there and exists today. Contentment is connected to circumstances. It is the lie of the enemy, the lie of this world and the lie of your flesh. When scripture talks about the flesh, it's that aspect of who we are that is still being made new into the image that we are in Christ and our spirit. This lie that says your contentment is connected to your circumstances. For Adam and Eve, the deceiver came and said, no, no, you're not happy. You need this. Change your circumstance and you will be happy. This lie is so sneaky because we, we convince ourselves, oh yeah, that makes sense. Watch this, you, you know this. If I'm not happy with this job, then I'll just get a, another one. If I'm not happy married, I'll just get divorced. If I'm not happy where I live, I'll move. If, if I'm not happy as a man, I'll identify as a woman. We're constantly being told, just change your circumstance. Change your circumstance and then you'll be happy. Can I just put some holes in that line of thinking for a moment? If your happiness is somehow connected to your circumstances, if you're thinking you'll only be content when you get perfect circumstances, one, that's a whole lot of pressure for you. You want to be God? You want to actually try to control every circumstance around you? No way. Not me at least. Well, what happens if you finally get the right set of circumstances that are making you content and they change without you changing them? Because that happens. So you finally land the right job. The industry that says, this is foolproof. This will never go away. And it does. If your contentment was connected to that, you're not content anymore. There's a hole, there's an emptiness. Do you see this is just a lie of society? So Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. And do you know what the secret is? Here's the secret. Contentment is not connected to circumstances. He he told us that because he says, look, here's a secret. I could be hungry or full. I could have plenty or little. I've learned that my contentment is not connected to my circumstances. Guys, I need you to hear this. This is freedom. This is liberation. Watch, this is what the believer knows. If you're having tension in your circumstances, because we all do. So any of the situations I just named, there's so many more. And you're saying, yeah, but Pastor Keith, like this is a wreck right now. My marriage, where I live, my job, how I see myself. Okay, watch what the believer gets to do because of God's grace. Instead of immediately trying to change the circumstance, 
we have the beautiful invitation to wait on the Lord. So here's how it may look. God, my marriage, it's rough. And I know this is not your plan. And I'm going to wait on you. That's different. God, I look in the mirror and I don't feel right in this body. But before I go and start changing some things, I'm going to wait on you. God, it is tough to live where I live. Before I go change, you see, like, isn't that what Jesus meant when he says, take my burden because it's light? Come to me and find rest. Do you think that God wants you running around trying to be him and change everything? You do know you don't have as much control as you and I like to think we do, right? (laughs) So what if we just find contentment and we trust in him, walk out his biblical principles, honor him, stay surrendered and watch what he does. Just a thought. And here, as it sounds hard, here's why we need the last thing. Because it's like, wow, this is a lot, man. How can I do this? You can't. And Paul couldn't. And that's why we have verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I know you've said this before. You might have the coffee mug with it or the t-shirt or the bumper sticker. I've even seen people at the gym sporting Philippians 4.13. And a bro's about to bench weight he should not be touching. And I'm like, dude, I hope this verse works the way it's not supposed to. For you right now. I'll spot you, but don't breathe out Philippians 4.13 and blame Jesus for this one. See, what happens when we take a verse out of its context is we get false teaching. We get bad theology. We get holes in our gospel. So, I mean, you already know the context. I mean, you've been hearing it this morning. What then is the this and the context of Paul's writing here? Contentment. He's writing a letter. And when Paul wrote, just to give you a little history of the Bible, Paul didn't write verse numbers. That came later. That just came for us because it would be real hard to bring all our scrolls to church on a Sunday and just start pulling them out. So the church got wise a few hundred years ago, put chapter and verse. But when Paul wrote, he just simply started writing, moved by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't thinking about bench pressing or starting a business or any of the things that we take this to be. He was writing to a church while he was in prison about joy and contentment. And he says, you want to know how you could do all this? Because it's really hard. You can't, and I can't. It's only through him who gives me strength. That's what he, so you want, you want to know how you can live a content life? It's not connected to your circumstances. Contentment is connected to Christ. That's the freedom and the good news that you and I need today. It's connected to him. If you are growing disconnect, check your connection to Jesus. Are you surrendering it to him? He has the ability to do it. You don't have to try. Surrender. I really believe that contentment is way more spiritual than we realize, church. Like that it's a stronghold on us. It's why we sang these chains need to fall. We need freedom from this thing. You've ever been in a car that needs a wheel alignment? You take your hands off the wheel, you're going to drift. Okay, discontentment is just natural. You're just going to drift in that direction. To stay connect like to stay content, we got to keep our hands on the wheel, which means we need intentionality. 
We got to stay connected to him. We got to say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Because if I don't stay connected to you, I know I'm going to drift in this direction. So I'm going to stay connected to you and let you drive this thing. I'm going to keep, I need check-ins with you, God. That's why you have time in his word each day. It's why you pray. It's why we're taking the first three weeks to be so intentional. To say, God, show me, expose if there is this spirit of discontentment in me and break it. This is so much better than what the world offers you. The world tells you change your circumstances or, or reframe it. Just be positive about your circumstance. But if you're in a real tough time, there's no positive thinking that's gonna work. It's not the gospel. It's not about thinking positive. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, surrender the marriage to me. Surrender your identity to me. Surrender your job. Surrender your kids. Surrender your singleness. Students, surrender your future to him. He says, just watch. It's such good news. So going back to what we started with, what does a happy day look like? What if, what if our single word answer was just this? My happy day looks like Christ. What, what if you just start there like tomorrow? I don't know if you're going to wake up with pain or fully refreshed. I don't know what the day will hold, but Christ is there. Amen. It's a contentment that outlives a circumstance. So I wrote down this mantra. I invite you to write it or remember it. Maybe it's something you say this week. Here, here's what I, I'm going to choose to say. You wake up and you say, you know what? This day is stronger than me, but it's not stronger than Christ in me. Let's say that together. This day is stronger than me but it's not stronger than Christ in me. How do we know that? Well, scripture tells us greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. I had a pastor growing up in my life. You guys remember what he would say after that? You fail? Impossible. Impossible. We all went to the same school together. (laughs) Our, our, Our pastor went to a Christian school. He would say greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You fail impossible. And it wasn't just positive speech. It was the gospel. Come on, even if your day looks like a failure, Jesus is with you. There's a contentment there. I want to pray that this would be sealed in our hearts this morning. So would you bow your heads and open your hands before the Lord? God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is both challenging and invitational. There is a grace and a truth that we find when we come to your word. Hebrews says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces us so that we might be healed. And I pray that today there is healing and freedom starting to take place. Lord, this is hard In fact, I'd say it's impossible for us on our own if not for Christ in us. And so may we keep coming back to Christ. Lord, I pray for those that are in challenging circumstances in their relationships, in their singleness, in their jobs, in their homes, in their identity and sexuality, for the students in this space that are saying, how can I stay content? Lord, it's only found in you. And so do this work in us. May this word not just be words that we hear, but truths that we live out. As we continue to pray, I want to invite you who do not know Jesus as your savior yet to call on his name. Scripture says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a calling. There's a surrender. Romans, Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. And in this moment, I want to give you opportunity to call on his name. So as we're praying and as you're sitting there, 
Maybe this is the day where you're just giving it all to him and saying, I am not carrying my sin anymore. I'm not carrying this discontentment anymore. I wanna be new. I wanna be free. I wanna be born again. If that's you, just say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Give me a new life today. I'm receiving you. Jesus is my savior. And we read that all of heaven rejoices. I wanna say welcome home. In his name, amen.